Welcome again to Valley Real Life. As you can see, things are a little bit different today than they have been in previous weeks, or I should say years. Uh, over the last two years, um, I have tested negative for COVID nine different times. Well, before I got my punch card completed uh, on the 10th time, I tested positive. And so just wanna model for you as well as for our community, you know, for us to be able to stay away, you know, and help each other as we continue to navigate this season. So I'm uh, here in quarantine for about five days and just happened to be this weekend. So thanks for being here. Thanks for understanding. Uh, I'm doing well. I know some of you guys are already going to be texting. And so just thank you for praying for me, uh, for praying that uh, things will continue to go well. I uh, just got some of the normal, you know, fatigue and some of the things that come with COVID. So with that being said, before we go forward, you know, we really need to celebrate. I actually want to celebrate. Many of you have asked, you know, what is the update from Joy to the World, from our offering that we took at Christmas time that goes 100% outside the walls? As you know, our goal was $200,000. And so we prayed, we advertised, and we just said, God, you do what you're going to do through your people. And I just wanted you to know, I am so humbled. And so I'm honored to be a part of this church because as of this day, as of this communication, you have given over $385,000. Can we just praise God for that? Can we just do that right now? $385,000 when the goal was $200,000. And so I'm just so excited. In fact, I wanted you to hear directly you know, from Ronald in Uganda and John over in the Philippines because they just got a brief thank you that they want to share from their hearts to yours. Valley, good evening, good morning, good afternoon to you. This is Pastor Ronald Chizito in Fort Porto, Uganda. I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you very, very much for all your support that you have given, that you have given us over the years, that you have given us uh, towards the water project that we are about to start this year. Thank you so much. I want to say that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to benefit from your uh, generous donation. Uh, we are going to put a well at every branch church, every church that we have planted because of you. There are hundreds of thousands of people across this western region that are going to drink clean water. Thank you guys and God bless you. I love you and Happy New Year. Uh, uh, till we meet again, amen and amen. Hello Valley Real Life, Happy New Year. In behalf of Covenant City Church, I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would like also to take this opportunity to thank all of you for your generous help. From the time you became our outreach partner, you have enabled us to do so much more. During the time of the pandemic, in this time of great need, you stood with us and held our arms. You have enabled us to do so much more in the ministry. And now because of this water station, it will benefit hundreds of people needing clean and filtered water. Especially now that summer is fast approaching, we experience scarce water supply. Your love is a tangible expression of the love of Jesus Christ. And because of this, many lives has been transformed from the bottom of our hearts. We want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you, very much and may the Lord bless you.
Man, I'm so excited about the partnership that we have with uh, Ronald and with John and the continued kingdom building that we're able to be a part of uh, around the world. Now, some of you might be asking, wait a minute, if our goal was $200,000 and that met the need, what are we supposed to do with the rest of the almost 200,000 extra? Here's what I can tell you, and this is what I'm really convinced of. This is not a surprise to God. God is not surprised that this much came in because he knows your hearts, he knows my heart, and we gave generously. And so what we're gonna be doing is over the next few weeks, we'll be praying and processing, God, what kingdom work can we do that is directly or indirectly connected to this idea of water with our partnering countries or even some other areas? And so I'm excited to share that with you in the next few weeks. Just be praying, just stay tuned for that. Also wanna let you guys know what's coming up. Uh, Next week, we have a special guest speaker. His name is Dr. Joe Grana. Um, What a great man of faith and a personal friend of mine. In fact, he's influenced you know me uh, and my wife in, in amazing, amazing ways. He has influenced Jay Jones, who's on our staff. Uh, you might have remembered speakers John Moten and Bree Johns and Steve Carter. You know, all have been underneath the tutelage, the teaching, you know, of Dr. Joe Grana. And so we get a chance to hear from him, you know, this next week as he continues our series, you know, on simplicity. Simplicity is what he's going to be talking about. Then the week after that, we have John Moten. He's becoming kind of a church favorite who's coming into town and he's going to be wrapping up our series you know on slowing and so somebody might be asking well why are we having these two guest speakers coming in it's because uh, a few of us have an opportunity to go to Kenya Africa and so we'll be heading out to Kenya Africa as long as we get a negative COVID test you know, a week from this Saturday. So this uh, this would be like uh, the end of the month. And so just be praying, you know, that God would just uh, make that possible. In fact, can you just join me in prayer now, you know, for that trip that we're gonna be going to be almost 100 pastors that we're gonna have a chance to influence and talk to about relational discipleship and how we can continue to partner together with what God is doing around the world. So can you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much, you know, for just what you're doing around the world and the opportunity that you've opened up for a few of us, myself and Jay Jones and Steve uh, Allen and, and Jake, you know, um, I, Douglas, I just pray that you would just allow us, uh, if you want us to go, to have negative COVID tests in about a week. And uh, Father, uh, if not, we just trust you and we know that the right people will be there and we're looking forward to the opportunities to just present and lead and guide and help learn ourselves what it means to be a deeper and more committed follower of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you so much, you know, for all of that. As you know, you know, this is week number three in our series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we have this book that under the same title, it's been written by John Mark Comer, that we'd love for you to be able to purchase or you can get it on Amazon, you can audible it, you know, as well. It's in our lobby, you know, for purchase even on this day. Now we're all suffering what we've called hurry sickness. That's what he's kind of coined the phrase from that. In fact, uh, there's a commercial that's on TV this past week when I watched my beloved Seahawks, you know, win their final game, you know, of the year, but not make the playoffs that really made light of this reality. And so um, check out this commercial now. You and me, partner, we meet center of town. I knew. Hold on. 
Nope. Daisy's got last one lessons at noon. Okay. High two o'clock? I got a spur fitting at two o'clock. How's about three? Oh, I'm getting thrown through a saloon window at three. We don't need any more overscheduling, but we could all use more ways to say. I can squeeze you in between swim class and Kevin's harp recital at 3.30. Always eating beans at 3.30. Right. Switch to Geico for more ways to say. Tell you what, what about Tuesday? I love it. I love it. He talks about, you know, isn't that time to eat beans? You know, love that. Love that commercial. Uh, I also got sent this picture, you know, as people were milling about in the grocery stores. And uh, I know you're able to see this on your screens now. The one minute rice. But if you take a look a little bit closer, it actually says it takes five minutes to cook the one minute rice, which here is a brand. Here's an advertisement that where they have made millions of dollars, not based on the quantity, how much, or the quality of the rice, they're, they're based it on the speed in which that you can make and eat this rice as well. And so the last few weeks, we have realized that love and hurry are incompatible. It just doesn't work. You cannot love and hurry well. And so if the essence of Christianity is to love God and love other people, then we have to then go countercultural and begin to slow down our pace internally and externally. And last week specifically, we talked about the first way is to follow Jesus, follow his way. We cannot follow, if he's the leader, we cannot follow faster than what and how he is leading. And oftentimes, I know I get in trouble because God's not moving fast enough for me. And so I, I, I tend to try to take things into my own hands instead of waiting and processing and following the ways of Jesus. And Jesus, give us a way to do this. Last week, we talked about silence and solitude, how Jesus pulled himself constantly regularly, daily from the people to spend time with God, to be re-energized in preparation for the day, but also to down, you know, to unwind from the previous day of what's taken place. And my challenge for you and me was, can we take just a few minutes every day, 15 minutes, 30 minutes? And I just wonder, you know, if you're watching online, put it in the chat. You know, how'd you do this week? Yeah, you know, whisper to somebody in the congregation right now, how did you do? Because here's what we've already found. People who chose to do this with somebody else, a spiritual partner of sorts, they had much greater success than those of us who just tried by our own efforts. I know that I've had some crazy stuff this week, not only with COVID, but some of you guys heard my uh, house flooded, you know, with uh, some water stuff from, from the ice and the storm this last week. And uh, I'm laughing only because I couldn't do anything about it. And yet I had some internal peace because I spent extra time just being with God in silence and solitude. And so today we're going to go into the second thing that Jesus models for us and teaches us, you know, when it comes to how do we counteract this culture that's so driven by pace? Because the reality is that we all need a regular rhythm of rest. All of us need this regular rhythm of rest. In fact, Hebrews 4.11 says, so let's do our best to, to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Now, there's many ways that we need rest. In fact, you know, uh, Trevor, you know, our children's pastor, uh, found this article for me from Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, who did a TED Talk where she was making the case that every American needs seven areas in their lives to get rest. And as I mentioned these, I wonder how many of these apply to what you need even right now. And so the first type of rest that we all need is physical. It's the physical type of rest. You know, it can be passive or active. This includes sleeping, napping, or can actually even include some exercise, you know, in the midst of providing some energy, because sometimes when we exercise, we see energy that comes, but it's a physical kind of rest. The second type of rest is mental rest. 
right? You know the coworker who starts every day with a huge cup of coffee. Sorry, that's me as well. You know, and seems irritable because they're just trying to go at such a pace uh, that they themselves begin to admit later on in meetings and days, like, I'm sorry, I don't have everything all together, or, you know, I just need to apologize. It's just been a really crazy time, but they say this often. Uh, those are people that need some mental rest. Uh, these are people who have a hard time shutting it down when they get home from work or have a hard time sleeping because their mind, their mental mind is actually always moving on a regular basis. How about the third type of rest we need is sensory rest. Uh, You know, uh, all of this kind of stuff, you know, when it comes to the phones and the screens and the tablets, you know, is that we need to kind of put those out, you know, of our our day or a moment just to get away from screen time because there's sensory rest that our brains and our minds actually need. The fourth type of rest is creative rest. Uh, This rest is especially important when you're trying to solve a problem. You know, when you're trying to get creative juices, if you're a creative type, you know, and you want to do some brainstorming or coming up with some new ideas, you kind of need to pull away, right? And get some rest, you know, to go into the beauty of the outdoors, to just to do something different in order to be supplied with what you might need in order to do art or just complete a project or solve, like I said, a problem. The fourth type of rest is emotional rest. You know, this is, this is people... You know, again, who um, are always uh, on the uh, on the move with things that are going on in their life, and they need to slow down emotionally with things that are taking place. Uh, they might be people, you know, who just find themselves always around other people, and even as extroverts, they find themselves even tired from being around so many people all the time. The fifth type, which leads into this one, is social rest. You know, um, social rest usually comes when you've surrounded yourself with people who are draining you. You know, so you're willing to help and serve and love, but it's a drain, it's a drain, it's a drain. And you need to find some ways to find people around you that actually when you leave their presence, you actually feel more rested than when you actually came in. And the final type of rest is spiritual. Spiritual. Now, when you think of spiritual rest, rest, that word, you know, comes from our English word restoration. What do you think of when you think of restoration? Uh, I know for me, the first two things that I think of is like antiques, you know, where you find something that's that has potential, but it needs some work and it gets restored to either its original beauty or something even more magnificent than what it was first created to be. Or maybe you think of cars, right? That's the other one thing my, my, my mind just went to, like here's some classic cars, but they're pretty beat up and run down and they need to be restored, the reason I mention that is because we too are worn down and we can't fix ourselves. We might be worn down so much that Jesus is the one who wants to provide us the rest, the restoration in our lives. Remember our key verse for this whole series, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I'll read again from the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So let's back things up just a little bit. Um, How many of you, just uh, by a show of hands, maybe put it in the chat, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? And you may not know all of them, you know, uh, just, just a few of them. How about like, you know, honor the Lord your God, no idols before him, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain, uh, uh, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet adultery. You know, these, you know, are the ones that we often remember. All of these commandments have been put in place by God, 
to help enhance or protect relationship. If you've been around a while, you've heard us say this over and over and over. It's to enhance or protect relationship with God or with other people. Now, here's one that's fascinating. Of all the commandments that God could come up with as people, he lands on one that you and I would not naturally think would be an absolute commandment for people to take a rest. Think about that for just a second. That one of God's great 10 great commandments, that one of them is to slow down and rest. The way God calls it, it's a Sabbath. And in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, where we find the 10 commandments in verse eight, it says this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. To be holy means to set apart, to make something special. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, not one in your household may do any of the work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. In other words, it's for everyone. In fact, in other parts of the Old Testament, it talks about how the land itself actually needs rest. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, even God rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Amazing that he's saying of all the things, you know, hey, don't murder. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't steal. Right. You know, honor God. Makes sense. Oh, and make sure you get some rest. That's how important this is. Think about it. We're commanded by God to take a regular Sabbath, to take a regular, if we put it in our terms, a regular rest. He knows that our tendency is either, according to the Bible, to be super lazy, to find reasons not to work, or to literally work ourselves to death. That's the, that's the trajectory. And if we don't take the Sabbath, those of you who are drivers are literally will find yourself killing yourself by your work. In fact, Sabbath is uh, the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop or to cease. Now, in modern America, we take the five-day work week, you know, almost for granted, that we forget that what a radical concept this was in ancient times. Do you know in ancient times, the weekly day of rest has no parallel in any ancient civilization? That's just not there. In fact, in ancient times, leisure was only for those who were wealthy and the ruling classes, never only for the serving or laboring classes. In addition, the very idea of rest each week was unimaginable. The Greeks who were overseen and conquered the Jews thought the Jews were lazy because they insisted on having a holiday or a holy day on the seventh day. You see, our hurry is driven by a fear for most of us. If you really analyze what is it that causes me to push and push and push, I'm not talking about seasons, I'm talking about to an unhealthy state. Well, one of the reasons is because we have a fear. You know, and this fear of is I'm not enough, or I'm gonna fall behind, or I'm gonna fail. And I don't think I'm alone, you know, in some of those kinds of things. But what if I told you that there is a promise for those of us who like to achieve, those of us who are adrenaline driven, those of us who are success oriented. What if I told you that there is a promise of God that you can be less hurried and more effective at the same time? That you will be more healthy long-term and that you'll be more successful in your work 
and in your relationships if we were to adopt this principle. See, God wired us this way. I don't know if you realize it, that how we view the day is not actually how God created it. Uh, if you read the Genesis account, you know, we, we think of a day as I wake up in the morning, I go throughout my day, and then I end up in the evening. But if you go back to Genesis, at the end of every day that was created, it says this, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and morning the second day. Do you understand that according to God's design, the day starts in the evening? The day starts in, in other words, we actually start the day in rest. That out of rest is actually where we start the day. Like if I were to say, you know, like I'll just say it's like a Sunday. You know, my day for the Sunday would have started at Saturday night. That I would start in rest and then go into Sunday before my next opportunity for rest. I don't know if you've ever thought how crazy it is that God actually wired us as humans to sleep literally around one-third of the day, literally around one-third, that if you try to go through sleep deprivation, you know, that's called torture, you know, for an extended period of time, how unhealthy that is and how unproductive that is, and yet we tend to go to, you know, more and more caffeine or things that can kind of keep the energy going when God did not actually really wired us that way to actually live that kind of lifestyle. In fact, uh, heard this last week, the National Geographic did a survey and found that there was a group of people who lived almost 10 years longer than the average group of Americans. 10, 10 years longer. They evaluated like, okay, what is it about this group of people 10 years longer? Do you know who the group of people was? Can you guess? The Seventh-day Adventists. See, our Seventh-day Adventists, these are people who are followers of Jesus who literally take the Sabbath once a week. And what's been proven is physical longevity is they live on an average 10 years longer than the rest of America. It's just crazy. In fact, if you took one day and added that up over seven years, if you took one day a week and added it up over seven years, guess how many years it would be? 10. If you took one day, one day every seven days, so I said that wrong, one day every seven days over a lifetime, it adds up to just over 10 years. See, historically, even here in Washington State, up until 1966, this is going to sound crazy, but it was a crime to sell most goods and services on Sundays. It was a crime. In fact, in 1909, the Washington, D.C. legislature passed what they called the Sabbath-breaking law, which prohibited most businesses from operating on Sunday. The law was commonly known as the Blue Law. This was something that was in effect in the culture. And we have been in a hurry ever since trying to push back you know, against that. Now, again, we're not talking about legalism. We're not talking about doing something you know, that actually is going to put more of a weight, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I want to carry this further. I told you, if we follow this principle, that it will lead to success in our lives. Health, I've already demonstrated that. But let me talk about success as well. Did you know that there are two, currently in America, multi-million dollar corporations that follow this rule on a weekly basis? That they shut down their stores, their services, one day a week. Do you know who they are? The first one you'll probably already get. Chick-fil-A. 
Okay, Chick-fil-A, I love me Chick-fil-A, and I can't tell you, there has been one or two times where I've been in Southern California after church, hungering for some Chick-fil-A, and I go up and I wanna get my sweet tea, I wanna get some ice cream, I wanna get the, the Chick-fil-A sandwich, and guess what, it's closed, how dare they? Here's what's also crazy when it comes to Chick-fil-A. Did you know that the number one, not even close, the number one uh, um, sales take place in fast food is on Sunday? It's not even close. Sunday is the number one to sell fast food. And here's Chick-fil-A from its conception, from a guy who follows Jesus, who says, that's not what our company's gonna be about. We're gonna shut it down one day of work so that people can prioritize their families and they can have an opportunity to worship the Lord. Now, here's what's interesting is that they've actually done some surveys to say, well, how successful have they been in this model? How successful have they been? And uh, what you're gonna see on your screens is fast food average sales per store. Fast food average sales per store. Let me, let me give you the five, top five. Number five, per store, McDonald's. 2.9 million is what McDonald's makes per store. in and out is 3.1 million. Whataburger, 3.2 million. Rising Cane or Raising Canes, 3.9 million. And the number one fast food profit store in US history is Chick-fil-A at just over $5 million per store. It's not even close, and they shut down one day a week. Could it be that when God says that he has set aside this as holy and he's created a blessing, that they're receiving a blessing from God because they have decided to put him first in their business? Process that. As a business owner, process that. It is so countercultural, isn't it? And some of us can't even think, we can't even fathom, how could we do that in our workplace and in our environments, you know, or where we live, eat, play, or work? Oh, some of you guys are asking, what's the other large company? The other large company in a multi-million dollar company in America that takes off one day per week? Some of you ladies know this, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby also in the retail market, it is also online and on-site, the number one selling day of the week is Sundays, and they have taken that off. And if you get to know their, their owner, again, David Green, he's also a follower of Jesus, and he's done this for the same reason. And could it be that God has blessed them because of these decisions? Understand this, to actually set aside a day or an extended period of time, it's gonna require an act of faith. It really is. And the key is ownership, ownership. The question that I have to ask myself, because this has been very convicting for me, especially this one this week, is whose business is it? Is it God's business if I'm a business owner? Uh, whose time is it? Is it my time? You know, it's, it's almost the same, same principle, you know, when it comes to the tithe. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, I can't afford to give. And what, what I wanna encourage you is that you can't afford not to give. Because I know it doesn't make sense. But what we're saying here is, can I trust God will do more in six days than I can do in seven days? Can God do more in my relationships, in my businesses, in my time, in six days than I can do in my seven? That is countercultural. And it's the same principle of giving financially. Do I trust that God can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%? And you and I might sit back and we might balk and be like, there's no way that can't be true until you try it. Try it. 
See if God's word is true when it comes to things, especially that don't make sense according to the bottom line or culture. This should cause all of us to stop, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. And so if I'm supposed to take a Sabbath, if I'm supposed to be commanded to take a rest, what does that realistically look like? What does that look like? The purpose of a Sabbath is for us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. Let me say it again. The purpose of Sabbath is for us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. See, Jesus was uh, walking along with his disciples one day, and he was uh, picking some, some uh, um, heads of grain. And, and some of the Pharisees said, that's work. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus you know, reminds these Pharisees, these religious leaders, is in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was meant to meet man's need of rest, man's need of delight, of joy, man's need. And what the Pharisees and religious leaders did is they turned it from a gift that God was giving. And yes, he made it a command because he knew that we would do otherwise, but it's a command with a gift, just like giving financially. It's a command with a blessing that comes with it that when we're able to do that, we actually get to receive. And what the Pharisees did is they twisted it and they made it legalistic and they put all these extra you know, guidelines and laws that it became more of a, a have to instead of a get to. And we need some have tos in our life, but for the right reasons, for the right purposes. And then he finishes in verse 28. So the son of man, Jesus is Lord, even over the Sabbath. See, Jesus ate on the Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And understand, it doesn't have to be the exact same day and time. Now, ideally, that's a good rhythm, you know, to get in. They're just a once a week being able to do, just like I told you last week, the rhythm is getting up, you know, in the morning or setting aside that time that works for you and your schedule. But to create this as part of you and your family's rhythm. Because if you were to just to say, you know, hey, Sundays is going to literally be the Sabbath. Um, some of us work on the Sabbath. And uh, if that was to be the case, and some of you do as well in retail and some of the other parts of your life but we do have control over aspects of our lives. So how we look at the Sabbath is important, not a wait to have to, but an opportunity, like I said, to get to. In fact, um, one of the things that we should do is look at the Sabbath like we look at holidays, right? Holiday is actually taken from the old English word, holy day, which means set apart. So how do you think of, or what do you think of when you think of Christmas, right? We just celebrated Christmas. This holiday isn't it something to look forward to, something to cherish, something to build up to, something to enjoy? You know, it could be the same for your birthday or an anniversary. These are monumental times that we can have to celebrate and to renew and to be joyful and excited. That's the purpose behind the Sabbath. And so the question we want to end with today is, you know, what should I do? on these Sabbaths? What should I do if I set aside a period of time? And we're gonna get to the end, but let me just get you there right now. Don't start where you want to be, start where you're at. In other words, you might, we might say, yeah, God really wants us to experience an entire day. But many of you have not even experienced three hours of what a Sabbath could be, five hours. You know, I, I imagine for, for a lot of you, that's, what if Sunday morning, that's where you started? 
that you said, you know what, I'm putting my tablet down, my work down, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna have breakfast, I'm gonna have a great breakfast, I'm gonna have coffee with my family, you know, or myself, I'm gonna go out to eat, whatever that may be, I'm gonna get to church. But I'm gonna come to church early because I'm ready to worship and ready to connect. You know, I'm not gonna come in scrambling late. I'm gonna check on the kids early. We're gonna linger around a little while. In fact, we might even serve the next service, you know, because it's a joy, it's a fill, and then we're gonna go off to our day and we're actually gonna spend a few solid hours together as well. I don't know what God has in store for you, but here are the things, you know, that we said the purpose of the Sabbath, you know, is to stop working again is to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. So let's just break that apart. We wanna stop working, we wanna stop worrying, and we wanna stop wanting. Stop working. In other words, put the phone down. No emails. Do you have a time frame where you're like, I will not work? Like for me, I've told you know um, our staff and I've told you know, our executive team, you know, elders, that unless it's a rare case of emergency, by Friday at noon, I am shutting things off. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not putting work on the table because God has called me to be a father. God has called me to be a follower. God has called me to be a husband. God has called me to be a friend. And these are things that I just cannot over-prioritize enough in my schedule. And so for me to be disciplined in that, you know, I tell them noon on Friday to noon on Saturday. That's kind of my rhythm that's kind of been established you know, for me. And I need to do a better job at some of these other things we're gonna talk about, but I need to stop working. It also gives me a chance us to stop worrying, right? On this day, we're supposed to stop, to cease on a Sabbath. And maybe for some of us, this is to stop wanting. You know, the, the whole envy passage, you're like, I just always want, I want more and more and more, I wanna buy, I wanna get, I wanna accumulate. It's like going to a car dealership. Have right? you ever been to a car dealership where you, you walk in and, and uh, they know that if you leave the lot, the likelihood of the sale goes way down. Why? Because you're taking a few moments to process, to think. What if you did that on a regular basis, that you didn't make any major purchase at all until after your Sabbath, until after you had the time to pray and to process if this was the right decision instead of being caught up into the moment? What an incredible freedom and gift that would be. So we stop, we stop. Secondly, we rest. We rest our mind, we rest our body, rest our spirit. I gave you seven different ways that we can rest, and I mentioned that earlier. But detach, detach from things, take naps, read, you know, um, have uh, uh, intimate encounters with your spouse. Yes, your pastor said that. Take rest, connect, enjoy one another. You know, read, take a walk, do exercise if it's rejuvenating, but rest your mind, rest your body, rest your spirit. The third thing, delight. Can we delight in the good things of God? You know, can we eat, you know, well? Can we, you know, just like, again, like that anniversary and that Christmas that you kind of look forward to. You know, I know at our house, you know, on that uh, Saturday morning, my wife, you know, tends to cook bacon. And when that starts sizzling, you're like, yes, this is a great part of this day on this Saturday morning. Delight in what God has created. Delight in his creation. Get outside. You know, just delight in the good things. Write down those things with family, with friends, with fun. You know, have a good time of the things that you know are gonna fill you. You know, for some people, you know, that is going on a motorcycle ride. Other people, it's fly fishing. You can do some of those things and get yourself filled up, taking delight in the good things of God. And lastly, and don't miss this, because I believe it's one of the most important things, is that for our Sabbath, we've got to worship God. See, we don't need another vacation. We don't need another day off. 
What we need is to make sure our hearts are tuned to the creator of the universe. He said, set aside a day for me, which is why traditionally you've seen that Sunday kind of experience be kind of that Sabbath day where you and I get a chance to to worship God, but it gets so consumed now, right? Whether it be football and we gotta race to this next thing, we've set up our appointments, but can we take this time frame, and like I told you, mine, you know, on a consistent basis is about noon on Friday to about noon on Saturday. It's not that, you know, morning till night thing, because I know with my schedule that that typically does not work. Remember, all of these things helps us to restore and to prepare for the next week. We are being restored in Christ, and we're being rejuvenated to do then the work that God has called us to do. Now, the question I get more often than anything else is I get from single moms, single parents, how in the world am I supposed to do this? How in the world am I supposed to do it when even as a married couple, we have three kids under the age of five? Listen to me, church people, this is our opportunity to be the body of Christ. Single moms will typically not ask for help. If you're aware of a single mom, if you're aware of a family with young kids, Can you offer to help watch the kids? Can you offer to help watch the kids? Now, here's the danger, because I know some single moms or parents, as soon as they get their kids watched, they're thinking, good, now I get time to go grocery shopping. Now I get time to get all the other things I've not gotten done. No, no, no. Give the gift to yourself. Give yourself permission to to take a rest so that you can be the best mom that you can be, that you can be the best dad that you can be, that you can live in this season with the young family, you know, to navigate and come out on the other side, not ready for a divorce, because the second most time that people get divorced after year one is year seven, usually when they have two kids under the age of five. And so I just, that's my heart is that we as a church would come alongside one another, that we'd recognize and be the church that God has called us to be. So could it be that maybe that some of the reason that you and I are suffering some of our health issues, maybe some of the stress issues, the mental health issues, I'm not talking about the major ones, I'm talking about just the worry and the anxiety and the stress is because we don't rest. We cannot experience the blessing of God without obeying the principles of God. We cannot hope to experience the blessings of God without obeying the principles of God. And God is calling us to rest it's one of the most countercultural things that you can do is on your schedule, try to find an extended period of time with the goal being 24 hours. 24 hours where you can focus on resting in the ways that we've described. So your next step is to put it on your calendars. Put it on all of your calendars and have somebody else hold you accountable to a day of Sabbath. Start with where you are not where you want to be. So for some of you, that might be three hours on a Sunday morning, might be five hours on a Saturday. You just might need to turn your phones off during dinner, you know, just to be like, this is gonna be our concentrated one time a week. We're gonna gather as a family. There is nothing that's gonna come in the place of this. I was telling our team this week that I grew up that Sunday at lunch, you were not allowed to go anywhere until after you went to grandma's for lunch. We all went to grandma's, you know, for lunch and we had to be there for two hours and it was only when grandma said, you can go, that then as kids, we got up and we ran out of the room because we were so excited to get on with our days. Is there a one hour block? Is there something that we can do that would help us in this area?
Guys, I love you so much. And I'm so excited. I know we've talked for a long time today, but I just am so excited of this critical one as we continue on this journey to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you give us this rest, that we couldn't do it without you. So lead us, guide us, direct us, and help us. Um, Lord, this is a, a tough issue, and this is one that, that we know that we all struggle with, especially in our culture that pushes the opposite. And yet we want to receive the blessings by following your principles. Allow us to enter into that rest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.